seen about 200 people in the building uh, that are believing God for some miracles. I want you to jump on your feet uh, and praise Him uh, like it's already done. Woo! Praise Him uh, like the door is already open. Uh, praise Him uh, like the phone call already came. Uh, praise Him uh, like it showed up in the mailbox. Uh, praise Him uh, like the doctor report came back. Uh, yes! Uh, it's already done. can praise him after the fact but it takes some real faith to declare that it's already done how many of you know that's biblical the Bible says uh, that he calls things uh, that are not uh, as though they already were that's the language of your God he doesn't speak in terms uh, of potential uh, because whatever he says, uh, it has to be so. Uh, and if that's the way our God speaks, uh, I think somebody in the building uh, ought to give him that kind of praise in the house. It's already done. Clap your hands one more time if you believe it this morning. Glory, glory. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? High five about six people on the way to your seat. Tell them it's already done. Tell them it's already done. Hallelujah. Stop asking for it and start praising him for it. Turn your request into worship. Come on, who am I talking to in the building? Huh? Change your prayer from a request into a prayer. God heard you the first time he asked. Uh, double up on the praise uh, and start thanking him in advance uh, for what he's already Woo! Hallelujah. Welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church. Amen. I'm excited about what I feel in this house today. You can be seated for just a few moments. So grateful for the presence of the Lord that has already met us in this house. Let me join along with what has already been said in welcoming all of our guests into the house of the Lord. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Come on, help me put your hands together. We are so excited have all of our first-time guests here. If you are, in fact, here for the first time today, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And this is an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of our appreciation uh, that you would come and spend Sunday morning and worship with us right here in the house of the Lord. Amen. We have a little understanding around here that you're only a guest for five minutes. After five minutes, you're just at home here at the Rock Church. Amen? So welcome home this morning. 
Amen. Speaking of welcome home, it is so good to have Sister Holly back home this morning. Amen. I almost feel like I need to reintroduce her already today. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but we're excited she is home today. And so good to see Grandma Nyla here this morning. Amen. Amen. And uh, they are, of course, uh, considered family here for quite some time. Uh, but this Sunday marks a brand new uh, official, brand new transition. And we want to welcome back home as they have relocated back home, brother and sister Whitmire this morning. They are officially back in Fort Myers. Would you help me give them a great big welcome back home this morning? Amen. Amen. We love them so, so much and are so so grateful for God's hand and everything that he is doing. And uh, I want to say a great big thank you this morning to Pastor and Sister Sferlaza and the entire team that was responsible for producing the greatest rock fest that we have ever had here at the Rock Church. Would you help me give God a great big praise for this incredible leadership? and all of the wonderful people who made Rockfest this week possible. Come on, help me give them a great big hand of appreciation today. Amen. I was unable to be here in person, but I was, I had secret agents everywhere with phones and cameras trying to help me participate the best that I could. And uh, from the reports, from what I saw, uh, and from everything uh, that has been posted online, it was absolutely incredible. And so thank you, everybody who made that uh, event so amazing. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody. As some of you may know, I have, um, I have been under the weather for most of the week. And uh, thank God I'm feeling so much better today. So much better today. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday really felt it begin to lift. And I uh, woke up this morning feeling even better than yesterday. And I want to personally say how much I appreciate all of the prayers, uh, the text messages, the phone calls, and the wonderful um, uh, acts of kindness this week from everybody uh, who has reached out and been praying for me this week and uh, means so, so very much. And I, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm grateful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would all over the house as we prepare uh, for the entrance of God's Word into this place. While you're standing, let me remind you the schedule of service this week. We will be here this Tuesday. Tell your neighbor, this Tuesday we will have church. Amen. We will be here this Tuesday. It's going to be an awesome time in the Lord. And then Sunday morning, which is New Year, or, or Christmas Eve, rather, we will have one service. 
11 a.m., which is our standard time for our morning service. We will have one service on Sunday. It will be a Christmas Eve celebration service. Uh, what an amazing time that we're going to have. Uh, I, I don't see how you could even claim to celebrate the holiday Christmas and cut out Christ from the Mass. The word Christmas simply means Christ Church. And so we're going to be having Christ Church on Sunday morning here at 11 a.m. Amen, somebody. Amen. And we can't wait for what the Lord's going to do. But I am, I am looking forward to what God has for us today. Uh, I prayerfully asked Brother Stewart to come and deliver the word of the Lord to us today. How many of you are thankful for this great man of God, his leadership in this church? He and his wife are the directors of Sunday Express and uh, are a blessing in so many, so many areas here in the church. We love and appreciate them, and uh, I'm grateful for his anointing and ministry. Brother Stewart, I want you to come and obey the Holy Ghost today. Would you put your hands together one more time as the man of God comes to preach the word to us? Why don't we give that to God for a few moments? Come on, can we just clap our hands? Come on, we can just set our Bibles down for a few moments. Let's just lift the name of Jesus up. Come on, is anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, you may have had a rough week. Come on, there may be some questions you still don't have the answers to, but has God been good to you? Come on, you may not feel like you want to feel, but God is still good. Come on, the answer may have not have came yet, but God is still king. He's still the master. He's still your savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm thankful for the presence of God that I feel this morning. Humbled to be before this great church. So thankful for my bishop and first lady. Is anybody thankful for our leadership? Anybody thankful for a shepherd? Come on, anybody been living for God long enough that there's some things that you don't know yet? Anybody thankful for a shepherd? Hallelujah. I'm just thankful to be alive and trying to do the will of the Lord, amen? Come on, there were some of us that by the year 2023 when February rolled around, the devil tried to take you out. Come on, and then, then March came around and he tried again and April and May and June came around and you were still breathing and kicking and here we are, December. Come on, some of you shouldn't have even made it this far. I said, some of you shouldn't even be sitting on the pew. Come on, the devil had your number this year, but by the grace and mercy of God, you got breath in your lungs this morning. Come on, giving God the praise. Hallelujah. I'm thankful to be here this morning. I do feel like I have a very specific word for this morning. Did anybody come to hear from the Lord? Anybody come with, with some questions and Come on, the year of 2023 brought some questions and you may think you came here because you saw a reel. 
You may think that maybe you found a card or maybe your neighbor told you about this church or maybe you've had it in your mind and you wanted to visit, but can I tell somebody that you're on divine appointment? I said you're on divine appointment. It's not a mistake or coincidence that you're in the house of God this morning. Hallelujah. As we turn our attention this morning to the word of the Lord, We'll start in Luke chapter 15. I just got one portion of scripture. Luke chapter 14 and verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until everybody say until until he find it he leaves the ninety nine in the wilderness going after the one that is lost Everybody say it again, until, until he find it. Before we pray, sometimes through life and through life experience, we can find ourselves in places that we don't even know how we got there. Can I get an amen in the house? Anybody live long enough to know that there's been a lot of life lived that one day you just woke up and your life was not what you meant it to be. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to help, help us in this house preach reckless abandon. Reckless abandon. Can we lay our reading devices down? Come on, and I want us to really pray right now, church. I want us to really reach God right now. There's some people in this house that this is their last option. I, I, I don't want us just to facilitate a moment in the service where we pray before the man of God preaches. There's some people that came here that really have no other option other than the house of God this morning. Come on, they came broken. They came hungry. They've tried things their way and they need God to intervene on their behalf. Can we lift our voices right now in the presence of, of God?
Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Reckless abandon, our portion of scripture, is talking about a shepherd who has lost a sheep. He has 99, and by most standards of the world, 99th percentile is more than acceptable. Even in the church world or the business world, if you're in the 99th percentile, that's a desired place to be. So automatically, it does not really make sense that the shepherd would leave the majority of the flock, not alone in the wilderness. Reckless abandon is without care or regard for consequences. And what I like is this definition, an unrestrained surrender to passion. Unrestrained passion. That means that they have no control over it. There are moments in life where the logic of God's word is compatible with the framework of our own comprehension. Through our own life experiences, we've learned the hard way that biblical foundations aren't just for Sunday school, but they are principles that keep us alive. They keep us prospering. They keep us successful. We're able to live peaceably and blessed through biblical foundations. For instance, we can all agree that not killing one another is a good biblical principle. Perhaps not committing adultery or not stealing are not only essential to salvation, but they are also good foundational concepts for peace. Does anybody know that the Bible isn't just for us to have some good things that we should live after, but there, this, is, this is crucial to our salvation. Come on, this isn't just some, some rules that you make for your children to follow. These aren't just good ideas that somebody said, you know what, uh, it's just a good idea that we should follow some of the book of the Bible. But can I tell somebody this morning uh, that in between these pages uh, is what's going to keep your life put back together. Uh, it's what's going to keep you inside uh, the house of God. Inside these pages uh, isn't just a Sunday school story. Uh, inside these pages uh, is wisdom uh, and discernment to keep you alive uh, to get you to heaven hallelujah but then there are moments in scripture where God's nature and God's characteristics exceed our mental capacity and our comprehension can I get an amen anybody ever read some scriptures where you didn't really understand what God was trying to do in the scripture Oh, come on. I'm talking outside of Jonah and Noah and David and Goliath. Uh, there's been some moments in Scripture where, yeah, we'll get on board uh, with God's characteristics of the basics uh, of things we shouldn't or shouldn't do when they apply to us. Uh, but has anybody been alive long enough to know that there's some things in this book uh, that unless you get in the prayer room and unless you get the Holy Ghost, uh, there's some things that you won't comprehend? Hallelujah. We don't have the capacity to understand some of God's ways. We don't possess the intelligence to understand what God's trying to accomplish in certain seasons of our life. What would allow us to agree wholeheartedly with God's logic? 
It's okay. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 and 9, for the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What that really means is that sometimes when we disagree with God's logic, we weren't created to understand God's ways. I said sometimes when we don't understand what God's doing in our life, we weren't ever meant to understand it. It was meant for God to build our faith. I'm going to just preach what I feel. Sometimes when things happen in our life, we're, we're begging God for an understanding and we want God to deliver us a word to tell us the roadmap for what God has for us. But can I tell somebody in the church this morning, uh, there's things that come into your life that you were never meant uh, to have the understanding of. You weren't supposed to get the answers. Uh, nobody was supposed to tell you. Uh, God said, I want you to have faith uh, to trust me, not just when you know what I'm doing, uh, but even when you don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm gonna call you to do some things. Uh, I'm gonna tell you to go some places. Uh, you may not understand all of it, uh, but what I'm bringing you to requires faith uh, and obedience. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's better to say, we don't know what we don't know. Judges chapter seven, we're familiar with this portion of scripture where Gideon is about to go fight the Midianite army. That army was estimated to be about 135,000 men. Gideon had 32,000 Israelites. He had 32,000 that was ready to go to battle. And God said, that's not enough. I need you to go to 300. Now in our framework, and I'm sure in Gideon's mind, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That really doesn't have a lot of logic, but can I tell you that when you start to see uh, in your life whenever there's no way out, when there's no answer, and when you don't have the capability to do what God's telling you to do, uh, that's the signature of God's spirit uh, that the miraculous and the supernatural is about to touch down. Uh, when God tells you you need to clean up uh, and get back in church, uh, you may think there's no way on this earth uh, that you can do it. The connections uh, that you've already made, the decisions, Decisions uh, you've already made. You may seem uh, like there's no way you can get out uh, from where you're from, but can I tell somebody, uh, if God told you to do it, uh, God will bring a provision. Uh, it won't be as hard as you think it is. Uh, there'll be days where you want to give up, uh, but if you just stay in, uh, if you just keep fighting, God will help you. I said God will help you. God will bring storms. And if you sat in the seat of a Pharisee, you probably understood little of why Jesus would want to sit with the sinner. Come on, inside their logic and what they knew to be right, for Jesus to be able to sit down with somebody that was unclean, somebody that didn't wear the garments 
of holiness. Somebody that was not set. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Somebody that didn't really look like they should look. And the world has its stains on you. Your breath may smell like cigarettes and addiction this morning. But can I tell you, the world may say that there's no hope left for you sitting on this pew. Your family may have left hope for you. But I can tell you, there's a God in heaven. He wants to sit with you this morning. He doesn't care about your dysfunction. He doesn't care about your failures. But God wants you, and he wants all of you. Come on, does anybody believe that this morning? Come on, even when the world says I'm not worthy to go to church, I'm still going to go to church because that book says that his mercies are new every morning. You know what? I may fall and I may get bruised up, but Jesus still loves me. Hallelujah. I'm going to do a brief disclaimer. There's some men's sins that go before them. I, I believe wholeheartedly because I don't want I want I want this to be pure this morning. There's repercussions for the way that we live. I said you may make some decisions in the dark that when you finally get in the light, you still got to deal with the repercussions of yesterday. Come on, there's still judgment for sin that is unclaimed. We need to make a daily walk with God where we get our sin before an altar. Come on, there's things in our life that through our experience, decisions that we made, yes, we're going to have to pay the price. Yes, we've got to face the music, but there's no better place than to get ahead of your sin in an altar. Through our decisions, there's sin. We've got to pay for that. And I don't mean physically or monetarily. There's got to be a part of our flesh that we carve off. I know that's not popular preaching in this world today. Every time we get before God, every time we missed our mark, every time we've transgressed, uh, come on, none of us are perfect uh, in this house when we said things uh, we shouldn't have said. When we've acted ways that we shouldn't have acted, uh, God requires us not in a physical way, uh, but there's still a circumcision uh, of the flesh. There's a circumcision uh, of the heart that means, God, uh, I've got to get broken uh, before you. Uh, I don't want to die and this come up before me uh, on judgment. I need to be be right with God. I need to be right with man in my sin. I'm not sanctioning sin, but God has spoke to me about some people in this house today. You know what you're doing? Come on, I'm not here to beat nobody up. If you're honest with yourself, sitting on this pew, some of you, this is not your first time. Come on, and you feel hopeless this morning. I prayed to God that I could preach broken and I wanted to feel the desperation that some of you walked in this place with because I've been where you've been. I've been where I didn't meet the mark anymore and I felt like the adversary was telling me it's better that you just go the way of the world. You don't need to go back to church anymore. You need to give up and give in. But can I just preach hope for a moment? Can I tell somebody that when you try to find the threshold of Calvary, you can't find it. When you try 
try to find the threshold of God's grace and God's mercy, you'll look and you'll never find it because it's right at the threshold of your flesh and self-will. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm just telling somebody, God still wants you. Come on, against every lying spirit and every lying devil that's behind you right now, uh, God still wants you uh, through your addiction, uh, through your addictions uh, of things in your flesh, uh, everything that you keep doing uh, over and over again, your habitual sin, God still, uh, God still uh, wants you. Uh, he is reckless uh, in his search for you. Uh, God is searching uh, for you. I want everybody to hear me this morning. As I preach this off of me, I want you to ask yourself one question. How long is until? How long is until? I want you to try and put a timeline on it. I want you to try and put a boundary for God's until because the Bible says that he's going to look for you and he will search for you until he finds you. You may thought you have run from God. You may thought you would get away from him. You may thought you'd live in sin and dismiss your call of God, but God is still looking for you. You're sitting on a pew this morning wondering, my God, uh, I shouldn't even be here. But God said, I'm still coming for you. How long is until? How long is until? I pray that a spirit of revelation would fall in this house and a spirit of remembrance that every one of us this morning would remember where we were when God found us. I said where God found you. I know you got a nice dress and a pretty suit on this morning, uh, but I pray God would bring back to your memory uh, just how wretched we were. Our righteousness uh, was as filthy rags. No, we didn't deserve uh, to sit on a pew, uh, but God found me. Uh, God found me. Uh, God found me. Uh, even when I was running, uh, he searched uh, until he found me. I was in a bar room uh, until uh, he found me. I was on a corner God found me. How long is until? I said, how long is until? You may have thought you came this morning to check a box on your schedule. The reason for the season, you're trying to maybe start your year off right. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, God's got somebody's number. You thought you were coming for one service, uh, but you're going to leave change. You hear me right now. Uh, the stuff you brought through that door, uh, God's going to take it uh, at this altar. The dysfunction you thought you lived with, uh, God's going to take it. Uh, you thought you could run, uh, but God said, I'm going to search for you until I find you. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, has he been good to you? Come on, how many people could praise God that he found you? Uh, come on, when you were broken, uh, living in sin, uh, God said, I'm not stopping uh, until I find you. Hallelujah. How long is until? I feel your spirit right now. The devil's telling you, 
that you've went way too far. That preacher up there is preaching. He's got that suit and tie on. He don't even know where I was last night. Uh, he don't know what I've got on my phone right now. He don't know what's in the glove box of my vehicle. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Uh, you think you're too dirty uh, for God to get with you. Uh, you need to rebuke the devil uh, and say, devil, uh, I know I'm not right, uh, but I've got a call of God on my life. Uh, I know I'm not right, uh, but I'm gonna die and go to heaven. Uh, I know I'm not right, uh, but I'm gonna lead my family uh, in truth. How long is until? Can I preach about killing the keeper? I want you to hear me right now. Killing the keeper. A common question that's asked by many people who have seemed to have lost their way. How did I get here? Anybody ever had that moment? It probably didn't happen in church. I said it probably didn't happen in church. Come on, but after a rough night in the world, I said after a rough night and a whole bunch of bad decisions, you found yourself in your bedroom, in your vehicle, asking yourself, my God, come on, because the pleasure of sin it's only momentarily. You thought that the drugs would numb the dysfunction that you were raised in. You thought the addiction that you battled with uh, would cover up all the dysfunction in the abuse that you endured as you were a child. Uh, and you went into the world trying to find something uh, that would be like anesthesia and local anesthetic to your pain. Uh, but as soon as it wore off, you found yourself uh, in a cave, uh, in a broken valley, uh, asking yourself, my God, uh, life hasn't been fair to me. God, I've battled so much. Nobody else deals uh, with what I'm dealing with. Uh, and you're sitting in condemnation. Uh, and you're sitting in sin. Uh, asking yourself, my God, uh, how did I get here? Come on, some of us are right there this morning. You're sitting on a pew right now, and you know we none of us deserve to be here. But you're saying, my Lord, after the year that I've had, I shouldn't be sitting where I'm sitting. Can it be true that God can really still love me? Can it be true that God really still has grace and mercy? Can it be true? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Is it possible, just maybe possible, that what God's given this preacher right now, that there's still hope for me? that there's still a chance for me. I want to preach about killing the keeper. We're not sure how it all went wrong. We got turned around and we couldn't find our way back. Come on, I'm preaching about the one sheep that left the 99. Come on, you started off good. Somewhere down the road, we took some bad turns. I'm not here to condemn you about the turns that you took this morning. That's not my assignment. My assignment's to tell you that what the devil's been telling you is a lie. I said what the devil's been telling you, uh, that there's no grace left for you, uh, that if the pastor knew what you were doing on the weekends, uh, he'd kick you out to church. Uh, I'm telling you that if you came uh, this morning uh, and put your will and your flesh on this altar, God would meet you here. God would meet you in this place. We would say, I never meant to go this far. I never intended for it to be this type of journey. 
If I could do it again, I wouldn't do what I did back then. I wouldn't say what I said. If I had it all to do over again, things would be different. A short study of the Bible commands us, I said commands us, to follow a shepherd. Can I just tell somebody, most of our dysfunction comes because we're not submitted to a shepherd. I know that's not popular. It goes against every bit of flesh that we've got, but can I tell you the Bible commands uh, that you need a shepherd in your life. Your life, uh, You need somebody, uh, somebody who's not just gonna be your friend, uh, but somebody that'll say, you know what? Uh, what you're doing's gonna send you to hell. Uh, what you're doing, you may not think it's gonna hurt you, uh, but it's gonna kill you. Killing the keeper. First Peter five and two says, to shepherd the flock, of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. And then church said amen. Ezekiel 33 talks about a watchman on the wall. Anybody in this house still believe that you need a watchman? I, I'm not trying to be politically correct or charismatic. I'm telling somebody, most of the troubles that you're still facing uh, is because you haven't submitted yourself uh, to a man of God. Uh, this is not the time and hour uh, in the last days for us to pick and choose uh, who we want to follow uh, and where we're going to go. Can I just get ahead of myself uh, and tell you, uh, I don't know who I'm preaching to. You don't need to move uh, to another state again. Uh, you don't need to move to another city. Uh, you don't need a new job uh, you don't need a new relationship. You need to be submitted. You need to get under the dysfunction that you keep battling. You try to mask it with a relocation. You try to relocate yourself and get out. But every time it follows you, it follows you. Why? Because we need a shepherd. I'm just going to sit here for a second because I feel it. You, you can't go any further than where you are right now. And you, I, know what, I know what the church, the spirit of today is saying. That you can have a relationship with God all by yourself. That's a lie from the devil. You hear me. Yeah, you can love God and God can love you. But ma'am and sir, you don't have the wisdom and the discernment to live for God without a pastor. I said, I know you think you've got all the answers and you keep running from this. Uh, you've already told yourself, I'm just going to go back uh, to my old church. I'm going to move back to another state. Uh, you'll find the same dysfunction there because the problem's not the church. Uh, it's this flesh. Uh, it's this flesh. Uh, there's something in us. Uh, we don't want to be, we don't want to have anybody tell us uh, what to do. Uh, we don't want any boundaries. Uh, we want to think that we have everything together. I said, we want to think that we've got everything together. I, I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that I thought I knew. I know we don't want to say this because we, we want to be perceived as somebody that knows everything, right? There's some things that God only revealed it to me in a prayer closet after I was broken to authority. Some of you have got out of the order, and I'm going to help you right now. You've been going to a prayer closet, but you haven't been broken to authority yet. 
I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God's going to help somebody right now. You've been praying about it. You've been seeking God. And yeah, you sought God with tears. But in your spirit, uh, you never broke your self-will to authority. Uh, you, you are still trying to call the shots. And you think that you can have a walk with God, just you and yourself. Uh, but until you get into alignment uh, with the pastor, uh, and still you have a shepherd uh, that is your covering, uh, you'll never be in order. God will never reveal to you what you need to do it's tight but that's right I feel it when I was praying about this I know this is unorthodox that's just, I was praying about this God told me you keep running and running from dysfunction every time God tells you to pass underneath the rod of the shepherd I'm off my notes. I'm just telling you what I feel. Every time, do you know, let me just explain this. In biblical times, the shepherd would hold out the staff and he would know who was an infidel, who was, who was coming in as an enemy because they would not submit under the staff. He could watch their body language as that sheep goes to pass under because he wasn't comfortable with the authority. Can I tell somebody, God's got your number this morning. God wants to see you broken before authority. That's where dysfunction's coming from for somebody. You keep running and asking God to lead you. God, guide me. God, I'm broken. I don't have the answers. But every time God puts the staff for you to, for you to crawl under, you keep wincing and looking at the shepherd. You keep saying, I'm not going there. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know my, my family, my dysfunction. He don't have the right to to tell me, can I just tell somebody uh, that's not him preaching uh, that's God speaking to you uh, that's God telling you uh, you need to get things in order don't get rid uh, of your authority I feel like that's what God's requiring of us this morning you really want to be blessed you can pass that test when God asks you to pass under the staff. You know why? Because the staff was a symbol of not only comfort, but sometimes it was a sign of correction. I, I know this isn't a popular spirit. I, I feel it. We're okay as long as we're being prophesied to with blessings. Hey, I said, it, it's an easy task to accept. Uh, Lord, fill my cup uh, and let it run over. God, uh, I need every blessing. Come on. I've seen some people, myself included, uh, when the word came from God that I was needing, my Lord, uh, I shouted, uh, I danced, uh, I got what I needed from God, uh, and I had every bit of faith that God uh, can meet my miracle and meet my blessing. Uh, but I'm just going to tell somebody, uh, there's been some moments in my life uh, where the preacher didn't say what felt good and my heart. My, why, the heart, if you try to feel after what God's doing in your heart, you'll deceive yourself. I said you'll deceive yourself. We accept the comfort from the keeper. But we don't accept the correction from the keeper. 
I, I'm just telling you what I feel. You want to get your life back in alignment? You, and you feel it. You feel that your life is off right now. You feel like everything's upside down and nothing's flowing right. It's because there's one part of your life that you won't allow the sword to touch. There's one part of your life that you won't let the preacher get into. And because you've got all your boundaries and all your walls set up that tell people they can talk about these things, but they can't come in there. I'm telling somebody, if you want deliverance this morning, if you want to get rid of of the dysfunction uh, in your heart uh, and in your household. Uh, you'll get submitted under the staff of authority. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Bible times, the shepherd, and we could preach all day about this, would dig out the wells to provide water for you. It's odd to me that we fight the shepherd sometimes. And when we see him throwing stones out of the well, we think that he's trying to hurt us. Really what he's doing is he's trying to unstop the flow of God in your life. I said... A lot of times we mistake uh, that when the pastor or when the preacher's out there and he's digging up the rocks, the dysfunction, uh, the sin, the things in our mind that we think are right but we're living uh, in dysfunction, when we see those rocks uh, coming over his shoulder, we think that we're getting hit uh, with rocks. We think there's malicious intent uh, and that he's trying to hurt us. Uh, but can I tell somebody, uh, he's got to remove the rocks uh, in order for the water to flow. Uh, he's got to remove the dysfunction uh, in order for you to prosper. Uh, He's got to tell you where you're failing uh, so that you can be in the will of God. I'm talking about the keeper. The keeper. Before David went to battle Goliath, the Bible says that David left the sheep with the keeper. 1 Kings 22 warns us not to be like sheep wandering around without a keeper. Does anybody feel that they need a keeper this morning? I need a few more amens. Does anybody realize that the longevity of my walk with God is hinged on the fact that I've got a shepherd? The fact that I stay in church and I don't backslide is because I have a keeper. Numbers 27 would say that if people aren't guided, they will be like sheep without a keeper. Now, I know that goes against our thought process because some of us have our journals and our planners and we've got our own agenda. I said we, we've got our own agenda. We've already told God how to do it and we told him when to do it. We told pastor not what he wants, but I'm gonna tell pastor how I'm gonna do it, when I'm gonna do it. But can I tell somebody that at any time you make a schedule, you need to have yourself submitted into a place that if God changes the direction of the wind, if God says, I don't need you to do this anymore, but I need you to do this, I'm not gonna get bitter. I'm not gonna get offended. I'm gonna find my place in the church and serve in whatever capacity God wants me to. Hallelujah. I said in the church, said amen. Hallelujah. We need a God. I'm going somewhere. We need a shepherd. We need a God. We need a keeper. So you understand right now, it has been an agenda 
You may not see it like this, but there's an agenda of the adversary that would have the spirit of this world to kill the keeper. The devil doesn't want you to have direction in your life. The devil doesn't want you to have a clear, defined guide, somebody on your shoulder to guide you every, when he sees a trap that you don't see. The devil don't want you to have nobody that can call you and say, hey, I had a feeling in the Holy Ghost and I need you to listen to me. You may not understand, but I need you to trust me. The devil don't want you to have any type of authority. He doesn't want you to have somebody with the playbook sitting in a prayer room and saying, I see this trap coming from a mile away. You don't need to move for the job. You need to trust me. God's going to bless you where you are. I know you're in a tough season. You don't need to go. You don't need to leave. You need to stay in the 99. I said, don't kill the keeper in your life. I said, don't kill the keeper in your life. You know what God told me about this? Is that you can sit on a pew and you can think that you're submitted. You ain't got to write nobody a letter. You ain't got to send nobody a text message. Let me tell you what's dangerous about not being submitted right here. You'll fool yourself. And when you're not covered with protection, I'm in the Bible right now. You may not believe this, but I'm telling you, if you're not, if you're not covered, you are open. You are completely open to what the devil has for you. I thought I'd have a few more amens. I said, when you thought you had the plan, come on, and you didn't have, you didn't have that covering. When you walk outside these doors, there's no covering for you to get under. Why? Because in your heart, you're not submitted. That's how the shepherd can watch body language. That's how he can have discernment whenever you're not in submission. They say it's like this. In order to have submission, that means you're under the mission. So some could say that if you aren't behind the mission of the church and you're man of God, you can sit on a pew, but you're not under submission. I said, if you don't think everybody should be saved and then it's required for just one race uh, or one ethnicity to be saved, uh, you're not under the mission of this church. Uh, if there's hatred and racism uh, in your heart, uh, you're not under submission of this church. Uh, you'll get outside these walls uh, and have no covering. We need a covering. We have to be covered. If there was ever a spirit that is still alive today, it's a spirit to kill the keeper. Now, some of you think that Cain and Abel, and I, I thought this for a while, that, that Cain killed Abel over jealousy. That, I do believe that. But the Bible says that Abel was a keeper. And Satan hates keepers. I really believe that there was a spirit working inside of Cain 
that hated authority, that hated the pastor. Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. It didn't like anything to do with leadership. Uh, he detested the fact uh, that Abel was submitted. Uh, he detested the fact uh, that he had a, a covering over him. Uh, and when he sensed uh, that the keeper was around, because why? When the keeper gets around, uh, the wolves can't stay here. When the keeper gets around, uh, the wolves have to leave. Uh, and there was something inside of Cain uh, that was thousands of years old uh, that said, uh, as long as I kill the keeper, if I can kill the keeper, I can take the sheep. If I can kill the keeper, I can live the way I want to live. It's still alive today. You got to be real careful what you put before your eyes. I said, what preachers you allow to preach into your spirit. Uh, they may make great reels, uh, but they got a Trinity spirit inside of them. Uh, they may make great content, uh, but they don't know a, a lick about oneness uh, and about holiness uh, and about separation. Uh, and yeah, it'll make you feel good uh, for about five minutes. Uh, but when the going gets tough, uh, it's thin soup. Uh, there's no sustenance to it. Uh, you need the anointing of God. Uh, you need a keeper in your life. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I need a keeper. Kill the keeper. That's what we'll do. I can't stand that anointing that's on Abel. Always protecting his sheep. Always running the wolves out. Always talking about submission. Always talking about godly structure. I just want to go to a place where they don't teach all that, where I can live the way I want to live. But I feel it here this morning. There's some victory in the house. Oh, I know you don't want to hear that, devil, but there's some victory in the house. I feel a burden starting to lift for somebody that said, you know what? I've listened to the devil one too many times. I'm going to get submitted. I'm going to get a keeper. I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to live for God. Yeah, hallelujah. Cain wanted to kill the shepherd. But what he doesn't know is that God's authority supersedes flesh. I said God's authority supersedes flesh. And so when you try to kill one prophet, it doesn't matter. You can do all you want. God's got somebody willing, ready, and able. If Bishop's out of town, there's somebody else that'll keep the wolves away. Oh, I knew I wouldn't get a lot of help right there. Bishop doesn't have to be here for me to preach against dysfunction. First Lady doesn't have to be here for me to keep the wolves out, to keep the gossip down, to keep the backbiting down, to keep the division down. Why? Because the spirit of the keeper is alive in this church. I said the spirit of the keeper is alive in this church. That's why you feel liberty this morning. Uh, that's why you can come inside this place uh, seven days a week uh, and you don't feel no tension. Uh, there's liberty. There's glory. Uh, that's why God will lift that off of you. Uh, that doesn't come free. That means that the keeper's here. Uh, that means that the shepherd's here. Uh, that means that the devils have fleed. Uh, that means that the wolves are drove out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not a jealousy problem. It's a submission problem. 
I said, it's not a jealousy problem, it's a submission problem. Bible says in Isaiah 59, and I'm coming to a close. Isaiah 59, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Those of you that walked in here this morning, wondering how can God still save you? I'm, I'm preaching to you right now. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. I said the Lord's hand is not shortened. I was reading in our portion of Scripture, and I thought about this. If you really put in the context, for the shepherd to leave the 99, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's just one sheep. I believe that God did that in his word to draw a stark contrast to show you how reckless he is to have you. I believe that he created that, that image, the perception of a pretty clean flock in submission where they were supposed to be. And one went away. And he says, I went after him. Again, how long is until? He's looking for him. And in my mind's eye, I've always seen it like this. I look back in my life, the places I went, I shouldn't have went. Come on, I, I, I'm not, I don't need anybody to draw a certain perception that you've got it together. God's asking you to get broken this morning. Come on, God said, I need you to get broken. You need to admit uh, that you don't do everything right, that you've done some things wrong. And I can see the shepherd running through the briars and the thistles, the wilderness, the ditches, the mud, the water, the terrain after this one sheep. And I can see if anybody spent some time in the woods, you could see how cut up and bruised the shepherd gets. He endangers uh, his own well-being, his own life uh, to come after somebody. And that's why the devil will tell you that God won't ever meet you uh, where you are, that you went too far. But the Bible says that that shepherd, uh, through all the briars, uh, through all the dysfunction, uh, he crawls uh, his way through. Uh, he peels the, the, the brushes back. He tries to get uh, to a place where the lost sheep is. And I was a young boy. My dad always told me, he said, son, we spent a lot of times in the woods. He said, if you ever get lost, what you need to do is just sit down. Don't go any further. Don't, don't think you know where you're going if you don't know where you're going. The U.S. Forest Service, as I researched it, it tells you what to do if you get lost. It tells you to sit down and to wait. And my dad said it like this. 
Son, if you get lost, I want you just to sit down and wait till you hear your father's voice. Wait till you hear that voice that you know is going to help you to get out where you're at. Sit down, be quiet. That's why some of us, we don't need to move again. I feel that so strong in the Holy Ghost. You've been online looking for houses. It's a trap. If you look at your life, I don't know who you are, if you look at your life, you got the same cycle of dysfunction. And you think that relocation is your key to getting found. God's telling you just need to stay put. I said God's telling somebody you just need to sit down. Come on, you need to sit down until God speaks again. You need to get in an altar, and I know this is hard. I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm telling somebody, where you're running isn't from God. You're running to the devil's trap. You need to get planted. You need to get rooted this morning. He's trying to lure you out of the sheepfold. He's trying to take you out of the church, and God's trying to speak to you. I felt the Holy Ghost so strong when I read this next point they tell you. Bishop, they said, if you get lost, find the nearest stream. And in that stream, it will lead to a greater body of water where civilization is. And immediately when I read that, I saw, I saw Calvary. I saw a crimson stream of blood. You want me to tell you how you get found this morning? You get inside of Calvary. Come on. I, I know there's some self-help books that you can read. And there's some podcasts you're trying to find the answers to. But can I tell you there's one place. Uh, just find the stream of Calvary. You're trying to think that God doesn't have enough mercy for you. Uh, inside Calvary uh, is mercy. Inside Calvary uh, is grace. Inside Calvary uh, is deliverance. I know it's not popular, uh, but inside Calvary, uh, you'll find the body. Uh, inside Calvary, uh, you'll find fellowship. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm done. I preached all of this to say what I'm about to say. This is what God told me to tell some of you. By now, you're probably thinking that God can help you. I pray that's what you feel. You're thinking that Man, there's probably, a, there's really a chance for me. There's a chance that I can really do this. You know what you're feeling? That's hope. That you haven't gone too far. And that's what my, my assignment was this morning. Was that you would feel, that you would feel the grace and the mercy of God.
that you have hope that you can make it. Come on, come on, there's, there's grace in this house. But I preached everything that I just preached to say this. You've sat in services like this before. You've felt this momentary feeling of deliverance. And I'm preaching to some select people right now. This isn't for everybody. The problem isn't that you don't lack the revelation of God's mercy. You believe in Calvary. You believe that when you call on the name of Jesus and you ask for forgiveness of your sins, that God will forgive you. You believe that you can make it to heaven if you just get your life right. Come on, that's where we all are. Let me tell you what God told me. The problem is not with Calvary. What has kept you on this pew as long as it has, is that you have not forgiven yourself. I, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I'm not trying to preach some happy love thing. I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost told me. There is now therefore no condemnation. Come on, I came to preach the condemnation off of you. I came to tell you, it's as easy as this. If you get out of your pew and you find this altar, you say, God, I'm not turning back to Egypt. God, I'm not giving in to my flesh no more. God, I'm gonna submit myself to this church. I'm gonna submit myself to a pastor. I'm not gonna hold myself back anymore. Don't pin this on God. Don't pin this on the devil. It's you. God's telling some of you, you need to forgive yourself. Matter of fact, he said, today is the day that I forgave myself. I, I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost. I hope you hear me. I'm not trying to have a harsh spirit. I'm just telling you, you feel it right now. You've seen the mercies of God. You need to get over yourself. Come on, you have to lay all that on the altar. The devil will hold condemnation over your head as long as you let him. But the day you decide that God, you created a new creature. I know I had dysfunction in my past, but I'm not walking that way no more. I know I did things in the past, but today, somebody needs to stand up and say today is the day. Today is the day. I'm not sitting in my pew. I'm not gonna pin my dysfunction in this heart, in the hurt that I've feel uh, the depression that I battle with. Uh, I'm not going to hold myself back uh, anymore. God's chasing some people today and all God is asking of you after you ask for forgiveness you need to forgive yourself and never think about it ever again. I thought I'd have more shouters on that. Come on, 
Anybody that's lived for God long enough, every one of them will tell you there had to come a day in their life where they put the things under the blood, under the blood. And when you reach back into the Calvary, when you start to get your hands bloody and start to think about the things you used to do, the things that you did do, and how you had all these mess-ups and dysfunctions, you get your hands bloody with Calvary. This altar's open this morning. And I'm preaching to a select few. You've come to the realization that your life is not where it needs to be. Come on. Nobody's here to hurt you. We're gonna pray with you in these altars. And I wanna tell somebody God will never stop looking for you. Come on, God will never stop looking for you. You see the side of me that no one else can see. You know the depths of me beyond the surface thing. All the broken pieces. Come on, he wants to reach into your heart. All the pieces you're not proud of. Come on, the stuff that's keeping you from moving forward in the church. Come on, the stuff that's keeping you from moving forward in your ministries. Come on, I don't want to live in dysfunction. You need to forgive yourself.
There is no greater love. There is no greater love than yours. Come on, church. Today's the day I forgive myself. Come on. I rebuke the spirit of condemnation. Somebody in a pew. They may not have the strength to get out from where they are. Go preach hope to them. Preach mercy. Preach grace. Preach forgiveness. Come on. You can make it. You can make it. Yeah, you fell down. But God can help you. There's a lot of life left. There's ministry left. There's ministry left. That you love.
used to say. Those were people I used to go to. I don't do that no more.
No greater love than yours. There is no greater love. There is no greater love than yours. Greater love than yours. There is no greater love. There is no greater love. Come on, the day's the day. I'm not running from God no more. Come on, I'm not running from God no more. Come on, deliverance has a sound. Come on, God's not done yet. Come on, God's not today. God's doing a work in this place right now. Come on, you don't have to leave without what God has for you right now. Come on, throw those hands up in the air. Open up your heart, open up your mouth. 
receive the love of the Lord in this place. Somebody receive the love of the Lord in this place. Yes. Failure! Woo! Yeah! 